We back. Welcome back to the Plank Show right here on The Ref. With Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. I'd just like to say that I would not have wet myself in my first broadcast on the Howard Stern Show. I think I would have produced fine. I think I would have done okay. Um, why? What what I miss? Well, Jesse just said, you know, comparatively, like Nick oh, Evers, oh, like, okay. put yourself in those shoes. It is a big stage, right? I I definitely get that, but uh, and you're and you're 17 or 18. I think I would have panicked. I don't think I would have done well. <laughs> but then again, to your point, maybe that meant I shouldn't have been there to begin with, right? I don't know. It, it's, here's what happens. Welcome into the, to hour three. Um, we we got Bill Beanboat today on the coach's corner. We've got uh, Todd Bates. So I'm excited to get that knocked out for Sooner fans, and. You know, we'll continue We'll continue to grind, man. We'll continue to work through this. And around it all, man, this Big 12 is looking impressive. It's a very impressive league. But the question was posed on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, and I laugh before I get to my top five things we learned. Y'all remember when OU fans would get mad after an ugly win? <sighs> Those were the days. I know. What a great text. You know what? I think that's it. The rest of the texts are yours, Josh, for you and Connor for the rest of this program. I uh, I don't have a lot of answers, right? And I don't think anyone will. It's just one of those where I like to make my NASCAR analogies. And this weekend was at Talladega. I don't think we had a big one at Talladega, did we, this weekend, which is terrible because – that means I'm watching for the crashes. But one of my favorites, well, I shouldn't fa- say favorite, when everyone's safe, but one of my funniest things I'll always hear in NASCAR is whenever you're in a when you're in a restrictor plate crash, you might not be doing anything wrong, then all of a sudden you'll hear a spotter go, we're in this, we're in this, hang in there, hang on, all right, hang in there, you're in this. That's how I feel right now, right? We're in this. But the good news is we're in the big one together. <laughs> this isn't this isn't us and one guy driving away with all the answers in an unwrecked car. We're in this together. All right. Um all right, top five things we learned from this weekend. Um number five. Attention to detail. Right? It's gotta improve. And if that is the complexity of the scheme stepping up and guys defensively needing to trust their teammates, understand their, their assignments, trust their coaches, trust the system, whatever it is, the attention to detail has to get there. Now, I know for me personally, my attention to detail usually sucks, right? I've been really good about, you know, exercising and eating right and then all of a sudden last night the kids are like, we want Brahms, and I've got a double meat with cheese and a, a blizzard in front of me. Or, I'm sorry, uh, a mix in front of me. Make sure I get my ice creams right. My, my discipline sucks, Josh, when it comes to eating. And you'll probably notice it today or Wednesday when this drops because usually when I eat bad, it shows on my face right away. But, number five, attention to detail. Not much from the game on Saturday. That I can add to. Teddy's going to be all over it this afternoon on the rush. But, I mean, is it fair to say in all aspects and facets, it's got to get better? 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, I mean, the chunk plays, be where you're supposed to be. If you're going to give up a bunch of yards of total offense to your opponent, I mean, Oklahoma surrendered 668 total yards. Don't let it come on five snaps. Right. Um, Absolutely right. Attention to detail. Number four, maybe kind of similar to number five. Things that I guess this becomes, instead of just top five things about Sooner football, top five things that we saw that need to get better. Number four, um, the execution's got to be there. And maybe this is more so kind of pointed at eight, kind of pointed at Dylan Gabriel, and maybe we could fine-tune that. And I'm not, I'm not here to say that I don't think he is the answer. Um, I think we saw just how much of a better team, even though they were struggling, they were with him than without him, right? But it is – it's got to be there. That accuracy and that execution has got to be there because you're going to have games where your defense struggles. You've got to have the offense there to pick it up. You've got to hit passes that extend drives. You know, I, I felt like – you know, I, I, I'm I'm not going to try to relive it, but it just seemed as if, you know, those moments where things could start turning for the Sooners to maybe get things back on the right track on Saturday, then, you know, immediately a drive stalled, right? You know, or or a fourth down play, a guy can't make a catch. And it's just – it's hard to bounce back, right? For instance, thirteen to three game. You've got a, you've got a big time kick return that gets you to the TCU thirty nine yard line. You pick up six yards on your first two plays, and then on third and four, with a wide open pass, you sail it. Then on fourth and four, I think Mims had a. I think Mims was open, too, and you sail it. Very next play, 67-yard touchdown, TCU. Ball game. It's 20-3 at that point. You're on 17 in the first half when you couldn't take it. So, anyway, I, I don't want to get bogged down on that, Josh, but execution. You know, five attention to detail, four execution. They could probably be all uh, all five of these, but things from Saturday that need to get better, that, that, has, to, that has to get better. Or we're in for a really long season really long season yeah make the makeables right I mean that's mm-hmm. what you hear all the time is make the makeables and Oklahoma had makeables they weren't made and again I, I think that it's easy to look at the third and four and fourth and four offensively but that, that's both sides of the football a makeable be, being again where your assignment calls for you to be defensively that right. that both sides of the ball needs to get accomplished all right, number three. Let's just do let's just do the injury list here real quick, okay? And um, again, there is it is not a known thing that Dylan Gabriel is out for Saturday, right? I just want to make that very clear. Um, it hasn't been announced, but at number three, when when guys go down, players need to step up, and 
Billy Bowman went down at safety. It hurts. I don't really feel like, Josh, anyone kind of stepped up. And and you're like, hey, that guy had himself a game filling in for Billy, right? It just they, – they seemed – I mean, Bowman was out there all game last week and they struggled. But Billy Bowman's a pretty important player for this defense. And not having him out there, you need someone to step up. I don't feel like that happened on Saturday. Same thing for Dylan Gabriel, right? Injured guys, guys go down, you've got to step up. And I felt like in two places we saw that. And like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit with a pretty sharp offensive lineman here in a bit and a great O-line coach, and we'll find out exactly how well those offensive linemen played in relief. But I think it's okay to get excited about Javante Barnes. I think in all the things that went wrong on Saturday, and there's many, uh, 252 combined yards on 18 carries to a quarterback and, and a running back, four touchdowns between the two. Pretty problematic. A lot of penalties on pass plays that led to big plays. But, again, in Javante Barnes, Josh, I think you saw someone that kind of gives you an idea of what can – and listen, Eric Gray ran the ball well. I mean, when he went down – he had 60 yards on 13 carries and a touchdown. So you're already without Marcus Major. I thought injured players, you take advantage of it, you step up. I thought Javante Barnes did that on Saturday. He was the one. Good to see, right? I mean, that's somebody that you're going to be relying on. So probably, more than likely, good chance that in some capacity now, uh, this week, you're going to be relying on Javante Barnes. So it, we knew, you know, coming in that highly touted kid, he was had the propensity to be a day one difference maker kind of guy. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Saturday we, we saw a little bit of that, which is good because, again, I, I think you're going to need that. So five things that have kind of emerged out of Saturday from our top five stories today. Typically, we go around the college football world and we go around – the NFL, and we give you all the stories today, and it's brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Today, we're just kind of focused on where things went wrong. Number two, tape's always on. Tape's always on. Uh, or is, you know, Teddy Films, camera's always rolling. And, you know, when there's a play that you're not giving maximum effort or where you take a poor angle, it's it's there. So I guess I bring that up because – Sometimes whenever things go south, you'll see effort issues, right? And I don't know, maybe maybe it was some sooner shaded glasses, Josh, but I didn't – and I asked every single player about this. You probably got tired of hearing it in the postgame show. But it didn't appear as if this is a team – that has an issue with guys not understanding that they got to play hard. There's a couple times I saw Deshaun White not maybe chasing like he should have, but he was also beat, <laughs> and he wasn't going to make the play. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you and what you saw from the TV version of it, but on the field I don't feel like I see effort or want-to issues from this team. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. And right, okay, good. Coach Venables, for a minute. <laughs> Coach, Coach Venables, and I think the rest of the coaches kind of said as much in post game that they didn't see. And I think Venables now, based on the way the last I don't know what 
nine, however many months it's been, ten months has uh, played out. He's going to be honest. If he if he thought that there were effort issues, he's going to say in post game there were effort issues that we had. That wasn't the case, and you tell me, coming out of the thing, if that's good or bad, that you can leave the game and say, yeah, I don't see effort issues. Well, you know, maybe they're just bad, you know, and that's a little alarming in its own right, or maybe they just don't understand what they're being asked to do out there, which, again, is an alarming thing for Oklahoma. By the way, this is – I I said I wouldn't check the text messages, but I thought this was really good – uh, from the 402, when Bowman went out, it seemed similar to when DTY went out last year. Guys not lining up right and not very good communication. Very, very good comparison. Um, and, of course, the number one thing that you take away from Saturday is that it's over. <laughs> and now you've got to move on. <laughs> and you've got to find a way to bounce back. You count on leadership. You count on uh, your coaching and a line that Brent Venable said that I've just fallen in love with is they'll respond how you respond. And it it really it really truly is a is an awesome awesome phrase. But this coaching staff no coaching staff comes into any job having a perfect record. And there isn't a single coaching staff in America that hasn't been humbled at some point. It happens at any point in every coach and every player in your career. Now it's on you to set the tone and move on. Nobody remembers Nick Saban losing to Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody remembers Kirby Smart going 8-5 and five in his first season. Nobody does. Why? because they responded to the adversity, and they got better. And that's key. So, the number one thing I took away from Saturday, it's over. And now this team takes these lessons, moves forward, and tries to fix things. This isn't even – got to be honest with you, Josh. <laughs> okay, are we good, Gabe? No one's here yet, right? Coach isn't here? All right, good. Um, you know, sometimes, like, for instance, I'll, I'll, I'll use a Raiders analogy, okay? Like, I'll watch a game, and the Raiders will get kicked. It happens a lot. And I'll say, well, this team goes on to have a pretty good season. I'll feel a little bit better about it. Nope. Not the case the last two Saturdays. Don't care. Uh, and I think TCU and Kansas State are going to have good seasons. But those matchups shouldn't go like that. And I think this coaching staff gets that. I think these players get that. And I think we'll see – we're not seeing an issue with effort. I think we'll see an increased attention to detail because, again, if we don't, we're going to be back here on Monday having this exact same type of conversation. All right, we got a break. When we come back, uh, Josh and Connor will take you the rest of the way. It's a plank show. We're on the road. Got Coach's Corner. Uh, we're taping today with Coach Beanbow. Love talking to Coach Beanbow and Coach Bates. And um, I'll be back with you tomorrow. You and me in studio, Josh. Have a great rest of your Monday. Josh and Connor have you the rest of the way right here on The Ref. All right, back with you. Plank Show on a Monday. Josh Elmer, Connor Pasby. Hour number three of the Plank Show. As always, it's brought to you by Roof Tech of Oklahoma. 
Locally owned and operated for 30 years, give Josh Tucker at Roof Tech a call for all of your roofing needs. 405-703-4245, where they guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. What is the pulse of Sooner Nation? Is uh, the level of panic for Oklahoma. It seems like folks, generally speaking, believe that uh, still confident that that Venables, everything with Venables, this is the head coach you wanted, this is the right man for the job. Seems like, folks, no nobody's ready to, to jump off board, and I don't think you should be by any stretch of the imagination based off of each of these last two weeks in Oklahoma starting 0-2 in Big 12 play. Now, if things go south again this week and Oklahoma's corrected nothing defensively, then, then giddy up, Connor, because the outrage from this fan base is it's about to really rev up. And this is something we talked about. This is something we talked about last offseason. It was, well, it's Brent Venable's first year. Yeah, it's it's Brent Venable's first year, but you have to still deliver results. And I think everybody would agree right now, whether it's Brent Venables calling the shots defensively, whether Ted Roof does have some say in it, the results of 1,100-plus yards in two weeks defensively and almost 100 points surrendered, 96 to be precise these last two weeks I'm not breaking any news here to anybody that ain't gonna fly and that ain't gonna cut it from a again head coach that I mean this is this is what you do I mean the personnel on this roster is a heck of a lot better than the 41 that it gave up to Kansas State and I I don't I shouldn't say that I don't know that it's a heck of a lot better but it's better than the 41 that it gave up in the 55 that it gave up. And so let's just start there the rest of the way with that. If things go south again this week at the Cotton Bowl, again, I don't know if Ted Roof is calling the plays. He might not be. But there's going to have to be some accountability for Oklahoma, and probably that's going to be the the first name at the chopping block for OU. And if you lose this week, let's call it what it is for Oklahoma. Man, this thing's going south in a hurry. So, OU Texas this week, the same way we felt about kind of TCU this past week before it just went horrifically wrong for the Sooners. Felt like a crossroads type week for Oklahoma. And now, because of how bad everything went in Fort Worth, th- this is maybe more of a crossroads week than the last. And if you can't get geeked up and excited to go play Texas this week and the results resemble what it's been, versus both Kansas State and TCU, then I just don't know that it is going to get better this season. I don't know how you could be positive coming out of the Texas game if, again, we see similar results defensively and you look up at the schedule at that point and you say, I don't know, there's no gimme games for Oklahoma. So we'll see what happens this week. It is all of that to get to the point that it's just got to be better this week, and if it's not, then as fans, I'm telling you out there, buckle up, because this is about to be, I've seen some responses this morning, 
oh, this isn't like Schnellenberger. You know, this isn't like Blake. It's not like Gibbs. Well, if they lose this week to Texas the way that they've lost these last two games, I'm here to tell you it is like those years for Oklahoma. And there's, you know, some optimism on the horizon. I see what the recruiting class looks like. That, that is a definite positive for Oklahoma. The comments out there that, hey, if I'm one of these recruits, I should be excited about the, the opportunity for me to play right away. Yeah, I mean, if, if this thing goes south versus Texas, you better be selling every recruit on that idea for Oklahoma. And, you know, then you better, you better back it up by just what I said earlier, Jesse, which is if Davis Bevel is going to play quarterback for OU this week or Bowens or whoever else, General Booty, and those guys go out and it's not any good, there's no way. I don't care if Nick Evers is ready or not. He better see the field. He better get some snaps because you can't just stroll somebody out there that's not delivering anything for OU Texas. You pretty much have to, by that point, throw in Evers just based on what we saw from Bevel. I remember all the texts we were getting when Bevel kept going in the ball game. Why didn't he throw? Why didn't he throw? And we saw him we saw him throw in Fort Worth. It's just it's not a very good look. Well, and Josh, remember before the season we talked about how pivotal this three game stretch is, Kansas State, TCU and Texas? Well, OU has a chance to lose all three of those. And guess what? The week after Texas, you got what is usually a gimme game with Kansas, and they have a chance to be a top-15 team. And they got Daniels, a quarterback, who could easily give Oklahoma a lot of problems. It's just been – If that game is any kind of close between Kansas and TCU, which, by the way, game day is going to be there. That's kind of exciting for KU fans. But if that game is any kind of close, Connor, Kansas is coming down here, and and if Oklahoma – doesn't win Red River, which right now, I don't know how you could pick Oklahoma to win this Red River game, then KU's going to come down here and be a favorite, Connor. And then you got to look back, when the heck has that happened in OU football history? But Oh, not for like a long said, time. Yeah. I mean, not, probably not since the 90s. Like you said, buckle up, because the things we saw in the first three games, it's about the complete opposite the last two games with Kansas State and TCU. Just on the playing freshmen or playing young guys, I would say one last thing, and I don't want to sit here and fight with Jesse all day because I, I, I saw your last text too. And, you know, listen, I love all of our listeners. I love all of our texters all the same. E- even you Oklahoma State and Texas trolls out there this week, I love you guys too. Thanks for listening to the station and interacting. I love it. And if we have a disagreement, if we have a disagreement, then, you know, hey, that's what this is for, right? That's what the forum is about, is for us to discuss and share opinions, and maybe we don't all agree on the same thing. So my point, though, is this. How are you going to preach to anybody that you're going to have a shot to come in here and play if you get to the point to where it looks like you've got three quarterbacks or two in front of Evers that aren't getting the job done versus Texas, and he doesn't get a chance to play? And I, I would, and I'm saying Nick Evers because he's the quarterback. But let me also say this: that is every position on this football team. All of you fans out there that have been calling for, hey, what the heck? Why is Jaron Canick not playing? We sat there and we went a little bit back and forth with you and said, well, maybe the coaching staff knows best, and they probably do. They probably do. But at this point, even if they do know best, and these guys aren't necessarily totally ready. 
if the guys in front of them, the older guys, are getting embarrassed and they're not delivering results, play the younger player. Play the younger player. You got to give them experience sometime, and that can easily happen this week. I don't know what the heck the deal is with Jaron Kanick, but what we saw from him in the Nebraska game, you think he would get a bunch of playing time the next the next few weeks with Kansas State and TCU, but no. But I would think he would see the field quite a bit this week. I trust OU's coaches to be able to evaluate their personnel better than you do, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, I-, I would think that they probably can evaluate their talent a little bit better than me too. I'm just saying that if this thing is going south the way that it's going south, then you probably would like to take something out of this season, and at least getting younger guys' snaps would be something you can take out of this you, season. You just got to try something different. I trust Brent Venables with all my heart, but this th- the three-man front is starting to drive me insane, Josh. Usually when you run a three-man front is because you can trust your secondary. Well, you can't really trust OU secondary, so you got to get four guys up there, and you got to bring some pressure, and they just haven't done that. We've seen pressure in the quarterback in the first three games, but, Josh, the last two games, they have a total of one sack. Didn't have a sack against Kansas State. Barely got any pressure to Duggan Saturday. Yeah, one sack combined in the two games. They had Which I think a pair it came, of half sacks. I think it came TCU. later in the game, didn't it? Because I did not see a sack or a half a sack. I think it was Morrison and Danny Stutzman. It must have came later in the game because there was just no pressure whatsoever. Well, suffice it to say that it feels feels like a crossroads for this season. Obviously, I got to play a million times better than either of the past two weeks defensively, specifically. That does not get the offense off the hook either. Dylan Gabriel, we we don't know about his status for this game. If he is able to play, and you know, there's so many guys up and down the roster. Gabriel being being one, Demon Harmon, the other that you think of, you you hope. That, that they are healthy, and that's most important for, for each of those guys. But if Dylan Gabriel's ready to go, then the accuracy in this Texas game, man, it has got to be worlds better for Oklahoma. So it's across the board that this team needs to respond and they need to play better. And if they don't, I'm just saying that, look, buckle up because it's setting up for a year to forget about for Oklahoma. And that's just the reality of the situation. When you need leaders to step up in a situation like this, when it's going south and you got a laundry list of injuries, we'll see who's good to go against Texas this week. We saw Eric Gray banged up. Marcus Major a week ago banged up. Dylan Gabriel, of course, banged up. <laughs> Billy Bowman, you can just go on the list, Josh. But we'll see who's ready to go. But, man, if there's a lot of guys, if there's some starters that are out, from the TCU game, there's going to be quite a bit of problems Saturday. Yeah, the the injury situation was just a complete nightmare versus TCU, and it doesn't make you feel great going into OU Texas. the The mood can change pretty dramatically if OU plays great this week, right? If all of a sudden they morph back into any semblance of what you saw the first three weeks, then okay, you you feel like maybe this thing can stabilize a little bit. If it's more of the same, it's just it's not going to get better. It's just then, not. Then you then you honestly start looking at what's what's our next win here. 
Is it aims after we come off a bye week? Because you go two aims. And then you're getting close to buckling up for Baylor and Oklahoma State coming into Norman. You know, is K-State, is TCU, are these the two best teams in the Big 12 Conference that you've seen? Going into this season, the expectation was that Baylor and Oklahoma State would have been those teams. We do not know. I think the answer to that question at this point, I do think TCU is much better than probably a lot of people had them advertised as. They're not 31 points better. Shouldn't be. No. Than Oklahoma. And you can't be giving up 60-plus touchdowns four different times. The three-man front thing defensively, obviously, I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why you don't change out of that. We can talk about it next. we got a bunch of text messages out there. So, some of you guys <laughs> just uh, frustrated with, I don't know, uh, my analysis of it or the situation itself. And I get it. It's not, not really a fun time to be an OU fan right now. And yet, they will play OU Texas this week. And in the OU Texas game, anything it's, it's not, can it's, and will it's, happen. It's not moving to ESPN Plus either. It's staying on ABC. Well, it's OU Texas. Yeah. Okay, it's OU Texas. <laughs> I think everyone's thinking, oh, man, probably going to move this game. No, stop it. OU Texas, the fact that it's a disaster for Oklahoma might make the game more enticing to some people yeah, out there. Yeah. Do a break. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Josh and Connor taking a timeout. Back with you a couple more segments on the Home of Sooner fans after this. I hope you guys are right. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Phone line's open, by the way, too, if you want to chime in here. Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. I hope you guys are right. I, you know, look, I get it's year one, and a lot probably, if you're going to be optimistic, which I want to be optimistic about Brent Venables. I want to be optimistic about what the future looks like. I still see the recruiting class is – Really, really good for Oklahoma. Even uh, minus David Hicks and Renat. I mean, a couple of misses, whatever. If this class stays together, then and if you can stack another class on top of it, then, yeah, I'm with you. Hey, Venables and the rest of this staff, get your players in here, right? Develop the culture, continue all of that. I, I hear you on the – I hear you on the positivity. I'm just saying, man – 41 points, 55 points with this team. Don't tell me that this roster is devoid of any sort of talent. That is not the case for Oklahoma. Brent Venables is someone that has been an established defensive coordinator winning national championships. And don't tell me that in year one he can't get better than this. Guys, it is a disaster these last two weeks. And it's not just because, oh, a couple of guys, you know, one guy went to Stanford and a couple of guys went to the draft. <laughs> it's got to be better. It's got to be better. It can be better with what's on campus. Oklahoma State, let's talk about Oklahoma State. Jim Knowles leaves, goes to Ohio State. Oklahoma State looks like it's going to win the Big 12 Conference, guys. Is replacing its defensive coordinator and still playing pretty good football and a handful of that, the starters on defense, too, and they're still doing the same thing. They were getting criticized early in the year, but that that defense looked good in Waco. This OU defense is talented enough and shouldn't be giving up this many yards and points to a Kansas State and TCU team. And to me, Josh, they look 
They they just they look slow. Like the Duggan run, you had Key Lawrence just get blown by Max Duggan. And Max Duggan is not a guy who's known for his speed. He just made that look easy. Stuff like that just it just, it just can't happen. Now, I do think that just the chunk touchdowns, I'm hoping, man, I'm hoping that Oklahoma can erase those, eliminate those. I mean, at this rate, one of those a week would be would be nice to get to that point instead of giving up four chunk touchdowns in a game. But that is something that Oklahoma should be able to correct, right? I mean, that's something that in one week's time, just be where you're supposed to be. I talked about this a little bit earlier. Woody Washington, I don't know when he went from, you know, potentially being and talked about right here on this station and by others. And I'm sorry for leading you down this this path of uh, a mirage that Woody Washington was some sort of lockdown corner or something when this past week all he can do is grab a jersey and interfere and not turn his head around. And really that goes for just about anybody in Oklahoma secondary. But I'll say this, like I said earlier, at least Woody Washington's there. Now, if you can get the pass interference, coach that part of it away. <laughs> but the other plays where nobody's home. Just blowing, yeah, just blowing I mean, coverages. You can't just give away points, man. That that part defensively for OU, it has to get better, and it has to get better uh, now, immediately, overnight. There was a feeling that Max Duggan could have thrown a jump, just a jump ball every freaking play, and there felt like there would be a P.I. called on the corners. And another thing that jumps out to me is just ball skills. Josh, I don't know if you remember, there was a ball in the end zone where Justin Harrington's in a perfect position in the safety spot to go make an interception, and he runs past the ball and kind of like side hits the TC receiver. Ball skills have <laughs> jumped out to me this year too, and they're just not causing any turnovers, which we're honestly used to. But tied for 85th in college football and causing turnovers with six. The defensive line, I mean, what what is going on there? What is going on with this defensive Cause we, line? Because we were, we were hyping up the defensive line in the first three games just based on what we saw. Now, granted, you played pressure. UTEP and Kent know, State in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, so. I know. That's the main thing. But Let this be a lesson to myself. I, this is me talking to myself live on air here. I, I can't do this again. I cannot fall into this trap again of believing this Oklahoma defense is good until this Oklahoma defense is good and does it for a whole season. Just remind me, next year, everyone, I'm telling you, the first three weeks when Oklahoma when Oklahoma looks good against these nobodies, just say, Josh, wait, stop it. They're not good defensively until they're actually good defensively. Right? Let's stop falling into this trap with Oklahoma. I'm tired of doing it. Let's wait until they can put together a season of good defensive play before we all jump into this idea that, oh, man, Oklahoma's tackling better. Look how different everything is. Because clearly, that was totally false right now with Oklahoma defensively. The defensive line looks like it has some major issues. Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, a couple of guys that were all over the place early, now basically can't do anything. Marcus Stripling coming out of the Valero Alamo Bowl, I would have thought that he would have been potentially a star for Oklahoma this season, and boy, it just has not happened for him. Perrion Winfrey, though he was up and down and maligned at times, 
they'd love to have him back. Oh, yeah. There's nobody like that on this roster right now. Jalen Redmond? Where's the consistency from a Jalen Redmond? The three-man front. I mean, what are we? what is Oklahoma doing? What are they doing? If it's not working, switch it. Do something different. How are you going to sit there the whole game and try the same thing and just get torched? And you're, you're seeing the same result and you're not adjusting anything whatsoever. I know we were preaching on the defensive line through the first three games. I know the competition. But you got to bring more guys. You can't just have a three-man front with the defensive line that we have. I mean, how many times have we preached about the Jeffrey Johnson kid coming to OU from Tulane? We really haven't seen anything from him at all. I hope the media asks tough questions, too. And myself being a part of that, if I'm at the press conference, ask about three linemen down. And and don't be – don't be nice about it. I mean, why why have they not switched? What is it about this formation that you're just going to stick with it and continue to give up half a hundred points? Because it would seem to be to anybody logically, well, it's not working, so let's try something different, right? The I mean, Somebody sent the picture in. The second down in one play, this is making the rounds, where basically OU's got four guys in the box. You're, you're giving a first down right there. It's second down in one. And you've got four guys in the box. Five, I guess, if, uh, I mean, you can come down into the box there. And maybe it's just the, the timing of the photograph. But even if it's just five in the box, second down and one, and you've got that many guys dropped back, I just, man. You're, that, you're, you're saying let's just not give up a big play right here, which I'm tired of. you got to take chances. I'll calm down. I'll calm down before we get out of here. I see you from the 405. It's Monday, Josh. We got all week, baby. In my defense, they did lose by 31 versus a TCU team that, checks notes, has not been very good in recent memory. Okay? So, and, oh, by the way, Oklahoma housed this TCU team a year ago. So, I don't know. I'm just saying, things things aren't going well right now, and I'm not going to be the guy that grabs this microphone and tells you that, tells you that everything's looking good or that – you know, oh, just give Brent Venables more time. No, I was the one telling you in the offseason that as soon as things went south, there were going to be a lot of fans that very quickly turned around and said, you know what, it's Oklahoma and we don't wait at Oklahoma. And, and there's there's a I, – I will give you credit. There's a good portion of fans out there that are being patient on this thing. But I, I got news for you. It's about one you-know-what kicking from Texas before the patience runs out. All right, one final timeout. We'll come back, put a bow tie on it. It's the Plank Show right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Just a couple more minutes before the top of the hour, and I'm sure Steelman and Thune at noon, they're coming in here, guys. Don't worry. I saw Steely roaming around. He is positive about the way things are going. If if this has been too negative the last 45 minutes for you, don't worry. Steelman's in here to get you all, all shined up. Chatting with him, I I wouldn't bank on that. <laughs> if you're out there and you're you're waiting on that to happen, I don't think that's going to be happening today, right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Okay, the uh, 31 point loss to TCU is is not sitting well. Which Kindle has been firing this away a couple of times. And look, Kindle, uh, my bad. I'll, I'll read it here for you. I'm with you. The give coach time is a lame excuse. This is Oklahoma. You prepped to be great in the offseason, and now it's time to show what you did to get ready for the championship drive. Stop the excuses and get back on the winning train, which 
I, I don't think Oklahoma's players and coaches they're not they're not sitting out there making a bunch of excuses. So let's just at least acknowledge that. Brent Venables, pretty clear, right? Concise in the postgame, not good enough, right? It's, oh, and, it's and the said, fan base. And said we're not very good right now. <laughs> and the, the, the Sooner players, again, acknowledging that it's not Oklahoma football. It's not the standard. But, like, this this text, where was uh, – you? look for the good. You're driving the wheel for all the fans that crap all over the team. This offseason was screwed up. Lousy take. Hey, if you want – when I'm here on this microphone and they lose by 31 points to TCU, you want me to come in here and tell you how great everything is? I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. They got destroyed by TCU. And probably they're going to get whooped by Texas this week. And I got news for you. Texas isn't that great of a football team. And they might get whooped by them. And you want me to come in here and talk about, hey, look for the good. Okay, Javante Barnes ran well. It would have maybe been closer if Dylan Gabriel was healthy. Well, D- Dylan Gabriel went down, Josh, when it was 34-10. to 10. I don't believe all that crap about staying in the game if Dylan Gabriel don't, didn't go down because it was already going south before he went down. I mean, this is Oklahoma football. What, what do you want me to come in here and say, ah, let's, let's, just, uh, let's just give this thing time? I mean, no big deal. They have given up almost 1,200 yards the past two weeks in nearly 100 points. I'm not going to come in here and tell you everything's good. Hey, we could do it again, uh, could do it again tomorrow. Yeah, that's it for us. For Connor, for Plank. By the way, I don't think I'll calm I'll, down. Ne- I'll calm down tomorrow. <laughs> I don't think it matters who's playing quarterback for Texas. By the way, Saturday, you can talk all the crap you want on Hudson Card, but the dude's been putting up some numbers the last two weeks. That's it for so us. Buckle up. Let's go. <laughs> that's it for us. Steel Man and Thune at noon. Next, right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network.